This week on the Good Brothers Podcast, we welcome our first ever guest to discuss the Dave Batista movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, talk about every TV show that has wrestling on it imaginable, what are under the fridge about The Undertaker and his crazy antics, this week in Rotunda, and The Sample Bears. Okay, and we're the Good Brothers are back this week. Pete Shin Music here with my co-host, One Two Three Fridge. Welcome, Pete. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. It's been a lot of wrestling this week. I feel like I've been watching wrestling nonstop. It was a lot of wrestling, but it was a lot of shit wrestling. So I think we could even improve on our time of one hour and ten minutes last week. I don't know. I think I need at least twenty minutes on the Sample Bears and Total Divas. All right, you could just leave that right at the end. I'll add that in post. I like that. All right. Pete, um, before we waste any time here, um, our our favorite stat guy, British <laughs> Rob, uh, wanted to – he wrote in after last week. Um, he wanted to comment on a couple of things we said. Um, okay. So we were talking last week about um, how – I think I asked you the question. If you went to a SmackDown, would you – actually stay for to all of 205 Live. And and Rob, you mentioned that they usually do a good, like, nice quality main event dark match at the end of 205 Live. And, and Rob wrote in, quote, went to SmackDown in Boston. <laughs> what? Wait, did he turn into Nigel? You've met the man. He's British. Yeah, I, I don't have much range on my British impersonation. All right, fair enough. Went to SmackDown in Boston. They advertised a Dolph versus Nakamura main event all night. We tried to stay through 205 Live, but only made it through half of the first Cruiserweight match. Aww. Bummer. What, uh, did, he, did he say what the match was? He did not, no. Uh-huh. Uh, knowing Rob, he was probably, uh, you know, he had a couple of uh, ales, pale ales, uh-huh. if I had to guess. Um, Rob also wrote in with a question for the podcast. Asked at least me to take a listen to Sam Roberts' podcast from last week because he had X-Pac on as a guest. Um, we sort of came to the quick assumption based on reading headlines and not full stories that we both were pretty convinced that X-Pac had probably fallen off the uh, proverbial wagon. Rob writes in, any change in your opinion on the X-Pac story after listening to his side of it on Sam Roberts' podcast? Um, I, I did listen to this. Uh, I want to believe X-Pac after listening to this. He came off very believable. Um, Sam pressed him on the details of a couple of things a couple of times. You know, uh, X-Pac tried to convince the, the host, Sam, that the pills that they called meth were something he bought, bought at a vitamin shop for a yeast infection. I did hear uh, this. I, I, bro, Brother Rob sent me a, a clip I watched about this. Brother Brother Rob and British Rob are two different people. Yeah. We should establish that for the listening audience. So we have Brother Rob and Mate Rob. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that works. I personally have a tough time believing that the TSA guys would per- purposely plant meth on a random wrestler, uh, but stranger things have happened. Speaking of stranger things. Speaking of stranger things, that show fucking was terrible. What, what, what's your beef with it? I, I watched it just in the past few months because I was like a year late, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was boring. I don't like kids, even though I have one. 
I feel like it was like a uh, mix of like E.T. and like Stand By Me and like yeah. that sort of like 80s shit. Like a lot of good nostalgia in there. They had the, – the sheriff was good, kind of kind of rough around the edges. Yeah. Uh, the, he reminded me of he reminded me of the Polish from uh, season two of The Wire. <laughs> what was the guy's name? Uh, shoot, I forget. <laughs> oh my god, that's Al Cut's music. <laughs> Whose side is he on? Oh my god, we got a run in on the podcast for the first time, Pete. Do we? Al Cut, welcome <laughs> to the program. Thank you, thank you. You've made it to the big it's show. True. How does it it's feel? Damn true. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me, guys. Is it, does I know it feel it's been good? a long time coming. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get a long time listener. You know, good brother, good brother, a brother, the good brother, Jeff Deacon on the podcast. I don't know, man. He's he's his needs are too high. I feel like no matter what we give him, he's going to want more. He's a simple guy. He just wants a cup of chowder. That's all. Yeah, well, give them chowder and it's not fresh enough, apparently. But anyway, uh, enough about clam chowder. Uh, you have some stats for us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so jumping into what we had going on last week. So Step Brothers, they were, Dale and Brennan, were still living together at the time of their prestige worldwide uh, presentation. So I believe after that was the ride home, and well, which right. led to the Dale and Brennan spanking, which ultimately led to... <laughs> Uh, that overnight fight where uh, uh, Dale buried Brennan um, in the backyard. <laughs> and that all stemmed from him having to eat white poop off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I should say the other way home. Oh, shit, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pun intended. Um, I just, right. I, can I just take a second to point out that Alka definitely, definitely put a stat correcting me first. <laughs> oh. Well, actually, you you asked. To be fair, you asked. Oh man, the heat! Oh, if they were still living together, the heat's already coming through. Who's going through the barbershop window? <laughs> this coward Alco would just jump through the thing to try to escape. <laughs> the coward's went out. All right, next one. So at Payback, Jinder Mahal was holding the WWE title the right way up, despite popular belief in his previous uh, attempts to. Hold the belt. I'm sure he's unfamiliar with that um, in his time in the WWE of what to do when holding a belt, but it was the right side up at payback. Buried. Uh, Samoa Joe is 24-5-2 in singles matches since joining the WWE. That also includes his NXT matches. So pretty good singles record since coming on to, uh, into the WWE. Um, did not include any live events as those typically don't have heels going over and Joe has not been a face to date. <laughs> Stats are fantastic, dude. The Houston Rockets mascot is named Clutch. So he is the one that was taken to the Hall of Pain, not House of Pain, oh. as referenced last week. Um, it's not a 90s hip-hop group, but <laughs> more of a place where Mark Henry sends all of his opponents. I feel like the Boston uh, Garden loves House of Pain. Just throwing that out there. Wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Why? Because it's a white rap group, Pete? Because it's all white music that's played at Celtics games. Speaking of um, the Houston Rockets, they are getting their shit pushed in right now by the Spurs. <laughs> Without Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker. Yeah. That, that wasn't even... They're, maybe you might say they are not clutch. <laughs> oh. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> They're not dead. <laughs> 
speaking of too soon, how about a good brother, brother, the good brother, um, with the, with the Robin big RIP big text and a group. Yeah. Call. He was a kid. He came quick with that one, huh? I think he had that one in the holster. <laughs> Just waiting for a picture of a fat black man so he could bust that one out. I was very excited to see Huel back on Better Call Saul. That's a spoiler, I guess. Uh, Would you like yeah. to know what Matt's favorite sports team, what city Matt's favorite sports teams are from? I would say Boston. Yes, that's that's, that's correct. <laughs> okay. And the last one on the docket from last week, the Izod Center was shut down in 2015. Um, but it's still used for any performing acts that are going to be in the area for rehearsal. So that started with Coldplay a couple of years back where they were performing at MetLife and utilized IZOD, and it kicked that off for the next couple of years. So no uh, no public events there, but still used as a rehearsal venue. You're providing more stats than are in the, the given stats text that you've, you provided us. Well, yeah, because I just give like a quick snippet of what it is, but obviously I did the research, so I have a little bit more background. <laughs> Speaking of background, um, you got some background. I, I learned a little bit about uh, Peter Quill's background from a familial perspective last weekend. Uh, have you guys seen Guardians of the Galaxy two yet? I we I have. Same. What'd you think, Steve? You go first. You're, you're the you're the newbie. Oh, thank you, thank you. So yeah, I'll lead this one off. Um, so enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, but where I think it fell short was that it had such high expectations to live up to, given the success and love of the first movie. Um, so it's really a victim of its own success and really no fault of their own. Um, just high expectations going in from, well, from my perspective and probably an overall fan base perspective that had a lot of uh, you know, big shoes to fill from that first movie. I'm with you on that. Um, I have a little bit different perspective on it. I would say that I thought the the story to me wasn't as strong as the first movie. Um, I thought the humor was like better in this one. I thought the the few I'll say this the few action scenes that there were in this movie I thought were really really well done. Um, the opening credits were like funny with the space alien in the background. I thought the uh, Yondu and Rocket escape from the uh, jail cell was great. Um, you know, I wasn't so crazy about the closing action scene. It just sort of felt, sort of felt like a battle royal. Yeah, I'm, it felt like I'm they looking. like he was trying to throw him over the top rope, but he just kept holding on until the the detonation would go off. Yeah, ego yeah. kept skinning the cat, and you can't have that. That pesky ego. That's what happens when you're a living planet, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah beggars can't be choosers. But uh, but I felt uh, was hoping for a little bit more hand to hand combat, but obviously. It's going to be, you know, kind of dependent on the on the villain that they're up against. But I uh, was hoping for a little bit more, again, a little more hand-to-hand, see what each character could do. But like you are saying, uh, no. The first movie had a little bit more stronger plot in terms of it tied, tied more deeper into the overall cinematic universe, having the uh, one of the Infinity Stones, you know, being the main focal point. It was a little bit more character-driven, so you got a little bit more deeper into the backgrounds of, of each individual character, but you know, on that note, you also lost a little bit of steam having the, uh, um, you know, basically a team split up for the majority of the movie, and they really only come together at the end. Yeah, no, no Thanos sightings either. No, well, keep teasing that. So, so I enjoyed the movie. I mean, I don't know. It seemed to fly by, which I think is always a good sign that you're enjoying yourself. Not 
not checking your phone to see what time it was. Um, Star-Lord, I wish, would have been kind of, I don't know, less emotional in it and more humorous. Uh, I mean, I guess the theme of the movie with his father obviously was a very sensitive topic. Uh, the, the music continues to be awesome for these movies, uh, and I agree with kind of the rocket and Yandu escaping the prison with the arrow just going around killing everyone was pretty awesome. What do you guys think of the um, Empire Strikes Back comparisons that are out there? I say nay. There's way too much to say nay. Oh my god, how many movies have a father-son dynamic where the where the father's not a good person? You know, there were, that movies? that's on Stranger Things. They did that on Stranger Things. Oh, great. Where the dad, you thought he was trying to help, and no, he was just trying to get reward money. Because he was selfish. Spoiler, spoiler alert, Pete. <laughs> Actually, maybe we should have said spoiler alert before this part of the Part of the discussion here, huh? Possibly. Possibly. Um, I don't know. I thought I, th- I put it forth yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for me. Behind um, Winter Soldiers 1 for me, Avengers 1 is 2, and Civil War is 3. I, I kind actually of... falls out of my top 5. Um, I actually have the <clears throat> first Avengers as 1, Guardians, uh, first Guardians as 2, Winter Soldier, Civil War 3 and 4. Uh, or, yeah, three and four. Um, actually, probably it does round up my top five, actually. But um, definitely haven't been a big fan of the Thor movies. Um, Ant-Man was was decent for what it was. Um, doc, same thing with Doctor Strange. So I guess it does round up my top five. But, uh, um, again, a little bit big expectations after the first one. Yeah, I'm with you. I kind of lumped them together as their kind of things. I think Captain America movies I have slightly ahead of this. But I think I have this ahead of the Avengers movies. I don't know, man. The Avengers movies, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm kind of over that now. Well, the second one sucked. Yeah, yeah the first one was great. The, the second one, not great. How, do we want to talk about great. Big Dave and how great he was in this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it is I a wrestling podcast. So. There is no better casting in the history of film than Dave Bautista's Drax. <laughs> I can't come up with any. What about the Miz in the Marine movies? Maybe the chick who played Rose in So I Married an Axe Murderer was better, but if if she is, then Batista's a close second. That's a really weird reference. I don't know where I just came up with that. I don't know, you would have counted a lot, so. That chick was creepy. Yes. But, um, alright, so we all kind of put together our little WWE Guardians of the Galaxy tandems. Uh, of kind of who would be each character. So I'll just name a character we'll go through and who think would be a good WWE superstar to portray that person. Um, start with Star-Lord. I thought AJ Styles, you know, a good baby face, cool guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip. I'll let you guys take this segment because uh, I didn't do my homework. Oh, fucker. Okay. Steve, so, what do you got? I went with Miz, actually. A heel. So not... Yeah, um, I thought about going Miz, so I put it up Miz for Rocket or Star-Lord, because um, I feel like he has some characteristics of both, but I ended up going with Star-Lord as like the you know, cocky, arrogant, um, I think there's a good heart in there for Miz somewhere, you know, he's a good guy deep down inside, but um, yeah, I went with Star-Lord and the Miz. Alright, I-, I went for the lunatic fringe as Rocket, D- Dino. Mm. Well, you know my feelings on Dean from the group text. Um, so, 
think we'll just leave that one as is. Right. Um, the the I went with um, Seth Rollins for Rocket. A little bit of a gritty character, um, fan favorite. So keep him with that theme. All right, Drax the Destroyer. I went with Braun Strowman, the man who can flip over an ambulance. Uh, not a bad choice. Not a bad choice for, for Drax. I went Machka Rusev. <laughs> Handsome Rusev. Baby Groot. I had Heath Slater. I liked your pick, though, better. I went uh, Johnny Gargano for Baby Groot. So good. Johnny Wrestling. Uh, Gamora, you gotta go Sasha Banks with the boss here. I had original Sasha, then I toyed around with, uh, you know, between Gamora and Nebula going back and forth a little bit. I went, uh, I went Becky Lynch for Gamora. I don't know if I'm super, super sold on on my pick there, but I think I think heel fridge is just just shitting on Sasha too much and and made you change your mind. All right, um, ego. I said I was sitting this one out. Ego, Vince Not McMahon. I went. <laughs> I went Bray Wyatt as the eater of worlds. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Uh, Yandu, I went with Kevin Owens. Got got a good father figure. <laughs> And I want Randy Orton Ooh. for Yondu. He's always playing the tweener. You never know what side he's on. Yeah. And I went taser face for Roman because it's Roman. Roman's terrible. <laughs> and I didn't pick a taser face because uh, taser face sucks. All right. Uh, you also had Charlotte as Nebula on yours. I didn't have a Nebula. but Yeah. Just keep with the main Guardians. But... All right. Well, we'll bring you back in, Fridge. Any, any closing thoughts on uh, the Guardians movie before we uh, go on to Raw? No, no. I, I mean, you know, I kind of crapped on it, but I did think it was very good. Um, like, I, I, as much as maybe it's just a matter of the fact that we sit here on a podcast and critique stuff every week. Mm-hmm. So I just like I'm starting to critique everything in life. Um, but I, I think I sat there like just like giggling for like the f- entire first 45 minutes. So definitely, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Again, it's, it's a it's a Marvel movie. You can't expect the plot to be, you know, a plus. It's not Breaking Bad. Yeah. It's no office. <laughs> British or, hey, hey, or American. Hey, hey. But, um, all right. Uh, all right. Well, Steve, thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope Thank to have you, you for having me. Hope to have you back on the stats again. Uh, and you're, Absolutely. Uh, and when we review, what's that movie we want to do? The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm in on that one. I saw a fucking ad for that during NXT last night. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so bad. I, we have to do it at some point, I think. Maybe after the beer fest, we can drunkenly watch it. You've come up with 90 different things for us to do after this beer fest. When in reality, I'm going to probably get lost and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> we are at 500 yet. We, you can't tell that one. Oh, shit. All right. But I'll 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 got good stuff tonight, buddy. Thanks for thanks for swinging in. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, and I will uh, I'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. And to Raw we go. 18 and a half minutes in. This one's, this, yeah, really going to be a short podcast tonight. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the show opens with Ambrose and Miz. Uh, they're going to be co-GMs of the night because that's, that's a fun premise. Uh, so about the whole first hour of the show has them on it. Sets up Braun versus Kalisto later in the show. Um, this segment's about 15 minutes. Uh, you say enough with Wacky Ambrose. Doesn't en- everybody say enough with Wacky Ambrose? I so would just like edgy heel Ambrose. Like the the yeah. whole thing he, when he debuted with uh, – did that thing with Mankind. I may have referenced that before. Not Mankind, but Foley. But 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I think I'm getting oversaturated with Ambrose and, and the Miz to a degree. I mean, the Miz still gets his heat and it's good, but a little too much Dino for me. Um, but I'll say one thing that's, that is getting over with me and that's Kalisto referring to himself as quote, not garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's, it shows a lot of confidence in himself, his music yeah. hit, and I had no clue who it was. I, know. I had a good joke about someone fucking Shredder for what his outfit is now. Oh, Darth Maul fucks Shredder was his, oh. was his outfit. That was quite graphic, Peter. I mean, I think I didn't. Whatever. It's, a, it's an explicit podcast. What do you expect? Oh, good. Not like we have advertisers or anything. <laughs> uh, so Ambrose books Finn Balor against the Miz. Finn goes over here. They do have kind of Miz having a bull bush league. There you go, Bush League disqualification. They restarted all that stuff. Uh, pretty good match here. Yeah, it was good. Um, this is going to start my theme for the night. I'm going to call it questionable booking logic. Um, so last week, Balor loses a number one contender match to the Miz. Yep. You know, whatever situation there was. Balor last week openly mentioned the fact that he wants to challenge Brock, but then he loses a number one contender match for the IC title. Issues we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Balor and Bray are going to be a thing, we think. Balor gets a win over The Miz. I I just don't understand how this does anything for anyone. Like, The Miz is the number one contender for this belt. Championship. Excuse me. Goddamn, pal. God. (laughs) Like, Bray... You want to... Bray just beat the WWE champion in a non-title match. And yeah. I'm just very confused about who they're trying to push and who's the who's the underdog, who's the heater in all of this. It was um, weird that Balor didn't have anything with Balor and Bray this week. Like Balor doesn't even Balor doesn't even seem that like mention that he lost the number one contender match because he got attacked. Right, and then you've got the "We don't do DQs on Raw tonight" line from the Miz, um, which we'll refer back to in about two and a half minutes. All right. Uh, next up, we had a women's match. Uh, before that, we had Nia Jax and Alexa backstage. Uh, now, seemingly best friends before Nia gets a title shot somewhere down the road. Yeah. Again, uh, I think Nia's interesting. Like she's interesting. I mean, she's different than everybody else in the division. Who, Wait. Who's uh? Do you mean she's not like most girls? Yes, Pete. She's not like most <laughs> girls. Um, but there's no way you can convince me that she's blood relative to. Dwayne Johnson. Like, I know maybe they look alike and they're from Samoa or whatever. Is it Samoa or Fiji? It's Samoa. Samoa. It's a it's a very lenient family tree. Let's say that. Okay. Um, like, the Rockets sleepwalk through any promo ever. Written, improv, anything. And it, during that segment, she looked like she was reading off cue cards over little Alexa Bliss's head. She's not good. Eh, not great. She's not like most girls. I think I'm going to start singing theme songs since I, is that allowed for copyright purposes? I don't know the rules. I think your singing is such shit that <laughs> they probably would have more of a problem with us like ruining it than just like outright stealing it. What if I'm there, like, broad? That one's not that hard to do. Okay. Uh, the actual match, Alexa Bliss against Mickey James, uh, Mickey has not sorry, Mickey has Bailey by her side. Alexa has Nikki by Alexa has Naya by her side. I'm losing I've had too much Bellas this week. And um <laughs> Alexa goes over, 
crowd just singing for Bailey the whole time, and it got really annoying. The crowd was shitty yeah, the, all night, in my opinion. The crowd was kind of shit. I don't know if it was because they were – because WWE might have played with the audio to keep some chants quiet and other chants loud and high spots loud and, like, slow moments quiet. I don't know if that was what they did, but – yeah, I mean, Alexa got her heat in this match. Mickey ends up looking dumb, per usual. Um, How long would they have to turn the chance for Mickey for them to actually show up on TV? They, well, they sang, hey, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow mm, my I mind. Yeah, in between. Not, yeah, not, not yeah, much I mean, of a pop for her. She, it's kind of surprising. Yeah, she's cooled off a little bit. Yeah. Of- but not cooled off would be the next match. Not garbage Kalisto versus Braun Strowman only goes a little while. Roman Reigns comes out. Wheel. I don't know if he had the chair when he came out, but he ha- got a chair at some point and just beat the hell out of Braun, who had an arm in a sling. Yeah. So back to our questionable logic. Uh, the top company babyface, for all intents and purposes, attacks a weak, fatigued, injured Braun Strowman with a chair, runs him out of the arena, basically. And WWE expects the, you know, unwashed masses to cheer for this. I don't understand. I don't understand half the booking they do with Roman. Unless they're just like, he's a heel, but we're never going to admit that he's a heel, and they're just going to roll with that. That's pretty much Which isn't a terrible idea. I I love booing the guy, as you may have known. I've noticed, actually, in person. Okay. Next up, we had a number one contendership match for the tag titles, a tag team turmoil. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro run the table. They defeat Enzo and Cass, Slater and Rhino, uh, Gallows and Anderson, and Golden Truth, who had a little promo before that, kind of trying to have their dream babyface win here. Uh, not to be. Yeah. Uh, did you hit the fast-forward button during Enzo's promo? Um, yeah, well, I came back from softball. That's, a, that's foreshadowing. Uh, and I started late, so yeah, I did fast-forward through that. Yeah, dude, it's just so bad. Sometimes I just see what their little part after their their usual thing is, just to see if it's anything. I don't remember it, what it was. usually involves a cup of haters. Yes, and just listing things off. Yeah, it's like he somebody gave him a list of nouns. There's no verbs anywhere. So I was taking a sip of my too juicy. That's all right. More of my questionable logic for the night. Um... The assumed top heels in the tag team division on Monday Night Raw were basically booked as underdogs for 25 minutes uh, because they had to outlast four other tag teams in, a, in the way that the turmoil match works. Yeah, I mean, usually in the tag team turmoil, you have guys win one out, win one out. Right. And this is more of, I feel like it's more babyface booking, but what do I know? What do you know? I'm just a dumb wrestling mark. That's correct. I do. Uh, I do hope Goldust gets one more like decent TV run. I think he could. He can make you know have a mid card title. I don't see there's a reason. Or well, probably not with our truth. But I don't need him with a title. Just like consistent matches and a storyline on TV. I don't care if he's creeping on King Booker in the bathroom again. Have Cody come back and just give him their one damn like main event match. You know, one more match. Yeah, one more match. So the Hardys come out post-match, run off the heels again, and Broken Meter. I said a solid seven this week. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. They're, they're really going with the delete chance. Even if they don't go broken, I don't think those delete chants are going anywhere anytime soon. No, no, so. no, they're not going anywhere. Next up, we have Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins. 
Joe goes over an exposed turnbuckle spot. You don't see enough of those anymore, huh? That's one of my favorite heel tactics is removing the um, turnbuckle. Turnbuckle pad. That and, like, pulling an object out of your trunks to to hit somebody with is also up there. Those are both regal specials, aren't they? The villain. Um, Don't ever refer to it as removing a turnbuckle on Twitter when you at mention Lance Storm. Because he will quickly correct you that it's only a turnbuckle pad that's being removed. <laughs> Has he done that to you? The, no, not to me, but I, I've seen it. The oh. man is the word word Nazi on Twitter. Lance Storm's the use, best. If I can be serious for just one second here. Sure. More continuity and weird booking. Dean Ambrose, 90 minutes before this, says we don't do DQs on Raw. Then there was, this was a DQ finish. That's correct. This was a DQ finish. I Why? Was, I thought it was a good match. I thought it should have been in the main event spot. Yeah, I mean, it was. I guess it was. This is sort of like off on its own island. Like, no belt involved. Like, both guys probably better than anybody who's in any of the other feuds. Like, yeah, I'm getting out here. It does seem like a step below a main event level, but right now, without. Kind of, if you take away Roman, a lot of these guys do feel less than main event, unfortunately. Yeah, it sucks. Cruiserweight action. TJP seems to not be going by TJ Perkins anymore. I don't know if this is more of a heel name, but he defeats Jack Gallagher. Maybe we can have another uh, commentator uh, go on this one. He wins via roll-up and grabs the tights. Well, mate, first <laughs> off, his name is Gallagher. Um... But a couple of things I'll point out about this match. Um, I personally buy TJP as a shithead sidekick, like to uh, the Neville fella. <laughs> Agreed? Agreed. But I don't really buy him as much of a badass. He doesn't really seem like much of a threat to anyone, in my opinion. He just comes off like a douchebag, which I guess that's a, that's a good heel. I am... It's a it's a good heel, but like, is it going to be believable? Like, maybe this is the difference because he's in a division with all guys that weigh two hundred and four pounds and less. They could, I think they could weigh two hundred five exactly. Well, good for them. Um, but like, this is the the argument about a match like this where it's all sort of put together and it's like wrestling by numbers almost. Like, this is what when when fat old Vader complains about Cirque du Soleil wrestling, this is what he's talking about. Is Vader still alive? As of right now, yes. Okay. We don't need the stat correction on that one. Well, there would be no correction. I'm I'm, I'm right. Okay. Next Move up. along, God damn it. We ain't got enough time for this silly little banter. <laughs> Sasha Banks defeats Alicia Fox. Sasha I goes want- over... I want us to hit this one out of the park, Peter. I don't need that outcut back on here taking away my time next week. Yeah, now we're a four-man operation, apparently. On NXT, I'm forced to work with an empty vest named Percy Watson. <laughs> okay. Sasha goes over Alicia. When they, they make something about it not being a legit three count. Her shoulders were up, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Like, is this a feud now? I don't. I don't know. I dozed off during this match because Sasha was in it. Um, wow. 
I saw a, a gif of a very nice looking suplex from Alicia Fox. The Northern Lights that they they that are only things she can do well in the ring. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that Fox carried this. Um, oh. As I said, I was either taking a dumper. All right. Well, I'm just waiting to move on to the Sasha Emma feud. Well, Emma has no shoulder anymore. So thanks to Sasha, well. of course, and her professionalism and taking care of her co-workers in the ring. All right, Bray Wyatt defeated... She injured Pete, goddammit. Oh, sorry, no one's ever gotten injured before. Seth Rollins has put half the fucking roster on the DL at some point, including himself. He's lucky he survived the UK trip this year, eh? <laughs> he didn't blow out his knee. <laughs> Keep the legends away from Seth Rollins. All right, Bray Wyatt defeats Dean Ambrose here. Uh, Miz interferes with the belt uh, to allow Bray to get the pin. Well, I guess they came all the way back around on that no DQ stuff, didn't they? <laughs> it wasn't a DQ. Uh, I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that Miz used... Sorry, I couldn't understand your accent. Oh, you want Nigel to go away and just listen to my dumbass this whole time? No, it's it's entertaining. <laughs> All right, so more back to my roundabout logic issues of this night. Ten days ago, Bray Wyatt beats the WWE champion in a non-title match. Now he needs help to get by the IC champ. Which belt are we burying here? Uh, next week, we'll go into an IC match where both the champ and the number one contender come in off of losses. Does that make this angle feel hot, Pete? It does not. Okay. Does anyone and, on the on the show look strong besides Roman Reigns this show? Uh, I'm not even. I mean, Roman had his shoulder taped up. He didn't look that strong. I guess. I guess Alexa looks strong. I, I think is she the only person that was booked well on this whole program? Probably. Like the Joe. I mean, Sheamus and Cesaro were booked strong, but it seemed like more of a babyface thing to do. But weird. And yeah. Callisto was not garbage, so he was booked strong also. Not garbage. Not garbage. All right. Anything else on Raw? Uh, I'll talk about the 25 minutes after Raw that I somehow stayed up for. So I watched that today at the gym, so I, I can comment on it as well. But look, I'll hear Which, your thoughts first. All right, so we're specifically talking about a little TV program called Bring It to the Table, which had um, Peter Rosenberg, JBL, and Corey Graves. Yep. Um, I, it was a long show, too. I watched it. I, I'm lying. I watched it the other morning um, before work. Wow, it's very, really weird. Just comes off like watching an episode of PTI that was like half scripted, and like they have like a PowerPoint slide presentation with yeah. a couple of bullet points in front of them, and they like have to somehow make the, like you joke about keep Roman strong. It's like everything that they they say or comment on is keep the company strong. Absolutely. The, the only thing like I really remember is, is Graves burying Shane at one point. Uh, not this episode, but a previous one. Yeah, and there, did you? What did you think of that weird like cut in that they did, where JBL makes this random comment about he would rather be kidnapped by ISIS than hang out with Sami Zayn? Yeah, really, really bullying Zayn here. Um, and also, but he definitely didn't run Moro out of the company. But no, no chance. Did you like the thing at the beginning? How they both said controversial things they said, and then then JBL just sat there. No. I thought it was clever. I mean, yes, it was clever, but it's not the kind of way that I would like to spend my 
limited TV watching time during a week. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some good good banter on the show. I do think that at some point you have to fucking find... None of them even buried House of Horror. Come on. Right. <laughs> like, no, this whole thing about Rosenberg's Pumas, like, what a... Why, why am I watching this? It didn't make what any sense. He didn't life? even fucking post, like, oh, God. What are we doing with our lives, Pete? I don't know. But uh, I, I did like JBL's anti-hockey comment. I thought that was humorous. I didn't. I didn't. Was surprised that JBL would come out during the. Um, somebody said that this era is better than the Attitude Era. Seamus who was it? on Twitter. Seamus said it. Yeah, I was surprised that JBL was like, oh, "There might be some merit to it." I mean, from a talent perspective, they have a damn good roster right now, and I think you can pair it against most eras. I just think the booking is not very good. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, the wrestling itself during the Attitude Era. Not as good. Couldn't touch what's going on right now. Right. Outside of those those ladder matches and such. Yeah. Those were good times. And the unprotected chair shots. Yep. And the jumping off the top of Hell on a Cells and the rampant steroid abuse and the, you and, know, all that good stuff. And the gun pillman pulls on Austin. I just listened to that podcast, so it's on top of mind. And the Bowflex machine that Chris bit. Oh, no. All right. All right, think of something pleasant to say before we go into our advertisement. Um, Nigel. Our friends. Oh, oh, mate. Well, as you might know, WWE's been on tour in the UK for the last couple of weeks or so. Uh, But when they return back stateside, you'll want to check out our friends from Ticket Liquidators. They could get you access. Front row, back row. Whatever row you want, they've got your ticket. And I'm sure it's at a good price, too. Here is the WWE Rundown, brought to you by the Ticket Liquidator Lunch Break Podcast. Pick any night of the week, and you're bound to have an exciting WWE event coming up. WWE Raw is going down on Monday night at the Prudential Center in Newark on the 15th, and WWE SmackDown has the SNHU Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire on May 16th. WWE NXT takes over the weekend. On Thursday the 18th, NXT Live heads to BB&T Arena in Highland Heights, Kentucky, while NXT TakeOver heads to Rosemont, Illinois on May 20th. Head to TicketLiquidator.com or the Ticket Liquidator mobile app for the complete upcoming event schedule in the WWE. And remember to tune in to the Ticket Liquidator Lunch Break Podcast at noon on Fridays on SoundCloud and iTunes. All right, thanks to our good friends at Ticket Network. So SmackDown this week, you have a lot to say on the show. Um, you know, real life comes up once in a while, and yeah, I missed it. <laughs> so here's going to be the next five minutes of Brian Brian talking uh, like he did watch it, when all he did was read the WWE's Twitter account on Wednesday morning to figure out what happened. All right, well, Pete Chin uh, doesn't have a family, so... <laughs> <laughs> Family. All right. Well, not, I don't have a child and/or spouse, so did I drop my my shoot name in there by accident too? I don't, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it's gonna come out eventually. Just oh no, just uh, be prepared. So the show starts. Uh, Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles all are cutting promos. Owens speaks in French. Mahal speaks in Punjabi. Why does the WWE think it's a heel method for someone to be bi or multilingual? Bilingual, not. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, let's, you want the, the quick version? Sure. 
who is uh, in the cabinet for the president of the United States? Oh, no. Uh, I believe she's the small business uh, administrator. That'd be Linda McMahon. Oh, okay. And if you had to guess, um, let's just say that you take a w- an average WWE audience, 20,000, 15,000 people in an arena. How many of them, Pete, if you had to guess, do you think would wear red T-shirts versus blue T-shirts? I think it completely depends on the city. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the TV viewing audience. <laughs> the I'm TV audience may be a red. little more red than blue. Okay, I think I gave you your answer. But still, I, I would love to be able to be fluent in multiple languages. Uh, I can speak British. So, I'll give a shout-out to my, I guess it would be Sister Fawn, and uh, she guided me through China because she speaks Mandarin. It was very helpful because I didn't know any Mandarin. That that sounds so, like, my, you know, my wife's from uh, Quebec, um, and her family still lives there. So, every time we go up there, and we're like, you know, in Montreal, you can get away with English pretty much everywhere. Yep. Like, you hear French on the street, and, like, you go into a store or a restaurant, they'll greet you in French, but if you just say... Like, sorry, English, they'll, they'll switch to English really quick for you. But, like, out in the sticks, there's not a lot of English going on. And, but, I mean, French is one of those languages that's, you know, it's Latin-based, so you can pick up a word here or there. Like, if you know a little bit of Spanish, that means you know a little bit of French, too. Well, I know um, a little bit of Spanish, not a lot. I can't imagine how intimidating it would be to go to a place where they use symbols as letters. <laughs> it's, it's so intimidating. For like the three hours I was by myself, I thought I was going to die. Every time you go to the Philippines, I get scared for you, buddy. Oh, like, everyone, they, the they pretty much all speak English here. It's, not, it's pretty good. No, I'm worried about that little Hong Kong airport that you have to go through. What's wrong with Hong Kong? They, they, don't they... They're a territory, I believe, a provincial territory of China. Yeah, but it's an airport. There's always English in all the airports. Is that true? I mean, mo- I, every airport I've ever been to, I've been to several around the world. I've been to three airports outside the United States. Two were in the Caribbean and one was uh, Cancun. Oh, I've been to South Korea, Philippines, Hong Kong, China. Seem to be English most places. Jesus Anyway, um, Baron Corbin also comes out at the beginning. Sami Zayn attacks him comeuppance for uh, him being attacked. Previously, chaos ensues. A six-man tag main event is set up. Um, I don't know about you. I'm really not excited by like just random six-man tag main events. I just think it's uh, if it's, it's like a tag, if it's a tag team plus a guy, yeah, on each side like that, I'm okay with if they start to weave storylines together. But like just taking. Uh, Orton and Mahal, Owens and Styles, and then Zayn and Corbin smashing them all together into a match. It doesn't do much for me. Yeah, I feel like I'm just waiting for the end sequence where everyone hits their finisher and see who gets the pin over who. Yeah. Uh, women's action, Natalia defeats Becky. Some distraction on the outside. The heel faction, possibly known as the Welcoming Committee, is is that? Yeah, they've been, they've been mentioning that. No, I think. It's like, is that the worst fucking stable name you've ever heard? It's pretty terrible. It's not good. I mean, when they referred to Heath Slater as the one-man band, I think that was technically a stable of one, right? I don't think that's a thing. I think it's an oxymoron. Oh, shit. I don't know. Good thing I'm a moron. (laughs) Uh, Tension continues between Charlotte and Naomi here on the outside. 
So I don't. Do you think Charlotte stays heel? Sorry, stays face heel. Whatever. I don't even know. What I she think is right she's now. going face. Ugh. Awful. Too soon. Uh, so random shit that goes on during the show, kind of backstage and vignettes. Uh, Lana dancing in her chair continues. Rusev cuts a promo saying he'll be at SmackDown next week to demand an answer for his title request. Another fashion file skit with Brizongo. Nice British Bulldog reference in there. And then Mojo Raleigh giving an anti-bully pep talk about Andre the Giant um, to little children shows off his statue. Yeah, wasn't Andre the Giant like a horrible guy backstage? Like in the locker Wasn't he mean to everyone in the locker room? I think everyone loved him. This was when Andre was a child he was picked on apparently. I understand that, but he I'm sure Hitler was a nice kid when he was like three too. I just know that Andre defecated in the tubs when the toilets were too small. <laughs> Uh, Shane McMahon told the story that when Andre used to get onto planes, if there was, if if someone had a bag in like the overhead compartment over Andre's two seats that he had to buy, mm-hmm. he would just take it out and put it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the noise that Pritchard makes? <laughs> <laughs> Um, when can we get, speaking of Andre, when can we get Tim White on the pod? Um, uh, this is tough because there haven't been any funerals or wakes that I've encountered him at within recent history on that side of my family. So, uh, it might be a while. Does he, is he just like, does he do anything at the, the friendly tap? Is that his bar? The friendly tap is still open. I drive by it when I go to my aunt's house sometimes. Is he ever there or no? I don't know. Next time I drive, I think maybe this Thanksgiving, me and my brother Matt will have to swing in there. And go to a Twin Rivers Casino. Give them a shout out. Yeah, if you want to get, like, knifed. (laughs) Speaking of... Oh, shit. I hope they don't want to advertise. (laughs) Speaking of knifed, Eric Rowan defeated Luke Harper. Ref was distracted when Rowan grabbed his weird mask thing. Rowan gets a cheap shot and gets the win over Luke Harper. I honestly forgot these guys were even on SmackDown. Yeah, the, the wrestling is a bit of a slog this week, huh? Yeah. Ziggler-Nakamura segment, I thought it was better than the last week one. I think Ziggler had a pretty good promo. A good good little part here where there's NXT chant from the crowd. And he goes, this will be all be edited out. So <laughs> it was, I thought it was pretty funny. Sounds, sounds hilarious, Pete. All right. So, I'm sorry I missed it. <laughs> we'll continue on. Brizongo defeats the Ascension. Usos come out, cut a promo about 12 days where they're like, 12 days, we're going to beat you up. 12 days, blah, 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 blah. 12 days for like what seemed like three minutes. But that was pretty good. Can I ask a question having not watched this week? Yes. Are are Breeze and and, uh, Fandango baby faces or heels in your opinion? I'm guessing they're faces just because they're, they're facing heel teams. Okay. That's the only thing I got. Fair enough. In our main event, the heels go over. Jinder pins uh, Randy Orton. Uh, the Singh brothers get involved. Just weird thing that they portray Sami Zayn very strangely when he's on like tag team main events where he's just super annoying with strategy and stuff. They've done this like three times now. I don't know if you've recalled this. I don't. I don't recall. That's very. That's keen insight, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But uh, so yeah, Mahal gets a pin over Orton. I think that's the first time he's pinned someone. In, uh, in the past year outside of that match, maybe. So are they trying to insinuate that Sami Zayn's just like a fucking tryhard? I don't know. Like, he's he's very annoying and just... 
I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, what are your thoughts on the SmackDown you didn't see? Um, you know, sometimes like you 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 feel regret about not watching an episode of wrestling. Not feeling any regret. I'm trying to think if there's anything that was worth going back and watching. There's nothing to talk about. Let's move on to my segment. All right, NXT, Nigel, take it away. Did you notice right off the bat, Alistair Black? We we had a discussion today on his entrance, which you said was number one in the biz. Is is that your... Uh, no, not just in the biz. I said in the history. Jesus the Christ. What does he do besides, oh. like, sit up? Uh, there might have been a little bit of hyperbole there, Peter. Ugh, I feel, you know, actually, you know what the best edges of all time? The fucking MVP. brood. The brood. <laughs> the brood, Rusev on the tank. Even Rusev um, on the tank was just a one-time thing. Yeah, that's true. MVP, when he used to come out through that huge inflatable thing, was fucking Yeah, the, and the TikTok music is really yeah. good, too. I always liked MVP. But dude, how fucking Gangrel? That music is badass with the flaming circle. The cup of Gangrel. <laughs> um, so I, I thought this... Go ahead. Uh, Alistair Black goes over Cesar Bonani, is that... <laughs> it was very awkward. Like, you remember when you were in high school and somebody figured out that Punani meant pussy in Spanish? That's a... Uh... I'm not going to say names, but that's a that's a name that's brought up that's used in most of my fantasy football pools and such. Is that like from uh, the British office or something? No, I just I can't disclose who does it because it's okay. <laughs> it's not a big deal. I'm not judging. Right. But like, why would you make a name that everybody who's been to junior high in would think rhymes with Punani? It just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it's a anyways. Rib. I didn't think this was as <clears> – <throat> this guy just looked like his timing was a smidge off. I thought that Alistair Black looked good. I mean, the way he hits like a high spot and then he just sits in the ring so calmly. Like, There's some good psychology going here with this guy. I like it a lot. Yeah, and it looks like he's going to have a – oh, no, that's someone else. Never mind. Yeah. Well, I, I was reading online. They said the, the, the powers that be um, are very impressed with him so far and – it does not look like a long stay in NXT, which I have mixed feelings about. I had a, the last, the last sort of like indie guy who got hot shotted to the main roster without like did, Apollo Crews never really even sniffed an NXT title run. No, I think he had one like high level match with Finn maybe or Joe, but yeah, not very much at the top of the NXT card. So the only thing I worry about is like. If he just gets – and I think that his gimmick seems to be working and in a post-Undertaker era, I think there's room for something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not too much like Bray. It's not it's like a – it's not the cheesy punk rock type shit that uh, Ambrose is weekly doing. I, I don't know. I think it would have a chance as a gimmick on the main roster. Um I just don't know if they need to give him a little more seasoning and see him in matches that go a little bit longer. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just been mostly squash matches. I think he had a little longer match with, was that with Tranquilo? Well, his match on the, was, that was his first match, right? I think so, at the yeah, uh, last NXT first, takeover. That was his first televised match. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd like to see him at least the summer, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I guess we shall see. 
We certainly shall. <laughs> um, so, 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 is on this episode of NXT. I didn't have to do a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of video packages, a lot of squash matches as well. Three matches total. Yeah. So the the video packages kind of we'll look at two ways. One was for the UK championship match. They did one on Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Um, any thoughts on that? I did like that they showed the the line that Hunter said to Pete Dunne, like at the be- He just looks at him. He's like, "Make hey, yourself, kid." Yeah, it was good. And then he assaulted someone uh, during that UK tour. I forget who it was. Uh, well, he went after Mark Andrews a lot, I remember. Was it Danny Birch he attacked? Well, he beat Danny Birch on, like, the fake three count, didn't he, in the first round? I don't remember. It was a good tournament, though. <laughs> I have, it's like it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. I can't remember specifics, but I was smiling watching it. I couldn't even remember the plot of the original one. I, I still don't remember what the plot of the first one was. Well, they were involved with the Nova Corps. Oh. Things of that ilk. Okay. So, UK program, I'm actually really excited for that match. That's my most anticipated match on the NXT card for the pay-per-view coming out. Yeah, it's tied with uh, a tag team match that we'll talk about in a second. All right. Uh, so, we also had the video packages for the women. Uh, this is now a three-way match. Uh, Ember Moon injured. They interviewed her briefly. She seemed distraught. Uh, yeah. But Ruby Riot, Nikki Cross, and Asuka... So, interesting interview segment with Nikki Cross. Yeah, kind of weird. Um, the <clears throat> it, it reminded me, remember the first season of Swerved when Dolph had the electrical chair? Yeah. <laughs> that chair, I was really hoping she was going to get electrocuted on it when she jumped onto it. I don't think that would have fit her character very well. Well, she was hitting the microphone that was over her head. Like... This woman deserves to be in a padded room. Give give her, like, three more months before they make her a joke character. Dancing gimmick? Dancing gimmick. Samoa Joe will have a dancing gimmick by the end of 2018. No doubt. <laughs> um, I, I The only thing I'll say about the Ruby Riot side was, um, as much as the Roderick Strong videos did for him, uh, I don't think that the Ruby Riot promotional video really did quite as much for her. I feel like there really hasn't been that much of a build for her already being in a title match. How long has she been around? Like three months? She debuted at TakeOver 2. Yeah. And she was on TV a little bit before it, unlike um, Alistair. But, yeah, I think that was her first like real television She's taking my girl Peyton Royce's spot. Oh, the iconic. They haven't been on in a while. I know. Same. Well, they were in the Battle Royal last week. That's true. Uh, other stuff on the show. Drew McIntyre interview interrupted by Wesley Blake. New new father, Wesley Blake. Yeah. Congratulations, Wesley and Sarah Lee. Yes. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. With I, get, I think got, Drew just beats him next week. I think that's all that is. They have a very weird glut of talent on their roster right now. Yeah, it's hard to we fit everyone in the hour. We can talk show. about it after the main event. Yeah, uh, DIY promo into DIY versus Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. Uh, DIY obviously goes over here, and they get a title shot against Authors of Pain in a ladder yeah. match. Yeah, I don't know if that's supposed to be a way to like, you know, you could take the title. This is just my thinking. You you could take the titles off of the Authors of Pain without having them get pinned. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
But, I, you know, I saw Riddick Ross wrestle like a year ago right now. It was the night that Balor lost the belt to Joe at that house show. It was a big show. It was a fucking great, great show for the record. But um, having seen Riddick Moss about a year ago, uh, my my best guess is that he is on the Maharaja Hardbody nutrition and workout plan. So you're saying he's got a world title shot within months? I, the problem with him is that we all know that Hardbody Mahal has got the psychology of a modern-day Iron Sheik. Um, <laughs> but I think that Riddick Moss's psychology probably maxes out somewhere between Paul Roma and the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh. I don't mean that in a good way. Do you think Riddick Moss is related to Randy Moss, either the former wide receiver or the sideline reporter? Um, no, I do not. Okay. Uh, so you are excited for the tag ladder match? I think I think it's yeah. really good. DIY always puts on great matches. They always put on great matches. I'm nearing the time that if they lose again, uh, I'm ready for my series of heel Tommaso Ciampa murdering Johnny Gargano on a week-to-week basis. So another interview is interrupted. So Cassius Ono has a backstage segment. Uh, Andrade, El Idolo, Tranquilo, Cien Almas. That was was good. Well done. Uh, Who put that in the notes? I don't know who put that in. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? You my, had a, my, you had a good uh, comparison today. I finally, I told you this earlier, I finally figured it out. The references to almost being either hungover or unfocused or, you know, selfish in the business, I finally figured it out. This whole thing is a fucking rib on Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> Do you think there's a time where he smacks somebody backstage? What was the story with Del Rio? He told it, or the, the ring crew guy told him to clean up his food or something. Yeah, and they slapped him, and then he got fired or suspended. I think fired. He called a lot of people perros in his day, too. For, from my knowledge, it's the first time Alma said perro, but I, it was very noticeable. It was very, very clear. I'm waiting for the cross-arm breaker to, to be busted out, and then I think we can definitely say that that's 100% what they're doing. If he starts having intercourse and dating a troubled British pale girl, then we'll, we're going to know in storyline, of course. Of course. Do uh, they have any on the NXT roster? I'm trying to think if there's any British uh, female. Nikki Cross, I believe, is uh, Welsh. Yeah, I guess that's close enough. It's all Where's up Where's Ruby Riot from? It's, pardon me. Wait, wait. Ruby Riot's from Indiana. Did you not pay attention to the promo video? <laughs> no, I guess I didn't. Oh, couple of quick thoughts from Nigel, by the way, there, mate. Okay. Did you hear me school that empty vessel named Tessie Watson about how rich Tino Sabatelli is? <laughs> he was a, a a second round pick. Is that a? He drives a Maserati. <laughs> That's something you'll never drive. A... Uh, maybe someday when uh when the podcast gets picked up. Did you notice that, that that was a poor joke that Nigel McGinnis made to another man that he's employed alongside? <laughs> that is, it wasn't yeah. nice. He said that for real. Yeah. <laughs> and our main <clears throat> our main event, a number one contender match for the NXT title to be held at the NXT TakeOver Chicago pay-per-view uh, in a week and a half. Hideo Itami goes over Roddy. I, I keep on to say Roddy White. 
Stop saying Roddy. Roderick Strong in a pretty good match. It was uh, 20, 15, 20 minutes. Um, some good near falls down the stretch. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I thought the beginning, they, they do a lot of this, it seems like, in matches where I don't know if they sense that the guys might not have like the best chemistry or the best timing together. Um, but they'll do a lot of like sort of uh, – you know, catch wrestling or chain wrestling, whatever it's called, at the at the beginning of a match where they'll sort of trade holds. Nobody ever really locks anything on. They do a lot of like stare downs, um, and then they go into like a slug fest for about five minutes, where it's just all you know work punches, and then they start to let the guys get their actual shit in. Um, I thought the match was really really good. Roddy's offense is really really believable, um, and I liked the way that Atami sold it. During this match, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, after he won, you start to think about it. what does a Hideo Itami versus Bobby Roode match look like? And is that really something that main events, a takeover card? The answer is know, yes, I, because it's going to. Well, the answer is yes. Uh, is it something I, my excitement, my excitement for that match is probably about two crucifixes. Ooh, not many crucifixes at all. No, I, I mean, it's and it's just a matter of like Atami's got good offense, but Rude's not great at selling. Rude's got weird offense, and but Atami is great at selling, and I just don't think that they're a great match either. I like Rude's um, character a lot. I, I'm not. I haven't been kind of that impressed by his matches. I think I'm ready for Bobby Rude to be on the main roster or back in TNA. Maybe. Who knows? Is that is that, is that like a hot? Garbage take. Is that like a Skip Bayless comment? I mean, I could see him losing the title at like the SummerSlam uh, takeover in Brooklyn to Drew McIntyre or something. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I was going to say this. We can go back to the finish of this match in a second. But like the NXT Ross is in a weird spot right now. So you have Roddy just lose a number one contenders match. You've got Drew McIntyre with no established opponent. Going into a takeover, you've got Ono with no established opponent. So, I mean, this is all going to throw all three of them against Sanity like they always do. That's that's what I'm thinking, is it just turns into another six-man. Is Noe Jose still on the roster? Where's he been? Is he hurt? Well, yeah, I think you forgot. He got his ass kicked at WWE Access on WrestleMania weekend. It's like a month and a half ago. Why is he still not back yet? They smashed him over the head with steel stairs. <laughs> All right. That's just simple blunt force trauma. All right. No. No. Yeah. I mean, I guess it seems it seems like a long cell job, unless he's really hurt. Yeah, maybe he's really hurt. Um, a couple other things back on this match. Um, it was a very uncomfortable moment for people who are hold Nigel near and dear to their hearts. During this match, um, Tom Phillips was talking about how much time Hideo Itami has missed. And he turns, I don't know if he turns literally, but figuratively, he, he says to Nigel, and you're a man who knows what it's like to miss a lot of time in the ring for health reasons. Oh, no. The goddamn hepatitis <laughs> comes back to strike me again. <laughs> You're a young man, you're making towns, you experiment in this lifestyle. Uh, quick aside, did you see Christopher Daniels' ROH Mount Rushmore? I did not. 
I would assume I'm on it. <laughs> you are on it. You're, yourself, uh, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and Samoa Joe. Well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> okay. Half of their checks would bounce. <laughs> CM Punk's doing that Joe's versus pros versus Joe's thing. Speaking of CM Punk, did you like Hideo Itami's tweet? Oh, I loved it, man. I sent it to the group. Do you think there's any chance that those Mark fans at NXT TakeOver Chicago don't chant CM Punk at him for the entire match? <laughs> I, do you think it gets booed? It won't get booed that he does it, right? It'll be cheered, right? How many people realize that this man, Kenta, had that move before CM Punk? I mean, a lot of Daniel Bryan's offense as well comes from right. this guy who's probably going to be in NXT for 10 years at this point. He's going to actually wrestle for 1.25 of them. Dude, that shoulder scar looks fucked up. Yeah. See, that's worse than Emma's. Thanks, Obamacare. Oh, no. I can't even get taken care of the right way. That's that great medical staff. Ask Punk. <laughs> what was the guy's name? Doc Amen? <laughs> like Just like... I forget what the injury was, but they're just like, put some cream on it or something. No, everything he said he had, they, they were like, have a Z-Pack. <laughs> he was like, I think I have a concussion. Here, take this pill. Maybe like a staph infection or something? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. All right, uh, anything else on NXT before we go into water under the fridge? Um, No, I thought this, as much as like, when I looked, when I was watching this episode, I enjoyed it because I felt like it moved quite a few story maybe not storylines but it moved some characters forward and it did some things and then i thought about it after the fact there was one squash match there was a tag team match that was essentially a like call it on the fly like yeah. it just happened and then there was the main event which was really good but there was really no wrestling on no a ton show. of video packages and next week's the last one before the pay-per-view, so I assume a lot of video packages hyping the matches as well. Another goddamn NXT will have a contract signing. Probably with Oscar or something where she just kicks everyone. Yeah, I just... Uh, <clears throat> I wish they had... Um, I mean, the UK title match and the tag title match I'm looking forward to the most. Uh -huh. I think the main event and the women's match I could probably do without. I'm sure they'll um, add something next week with... Just a bunch of random people in it. Yeah. I think I saw a WWE.com exclusive video where Sanity attacked Roderick oh, after his again. um his loss last night. Like, they didn't show it on the NXT episode, but it actually happened. So they should have a running thing where Roddy just fights Sanity for, like, ten consecutive pay-per-views. I think no, it's up no, to no, three man. now. They built up Roddy really well with those videos, and, and I don't know. Then don't even have him in a match. I would, like, don't put him in a six-man. Like, that's whatever. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. So let's go on. Let's go under the fridge. Under the fridge downtown was where I drew some blood. Did uh, Bray Wyatt tip it over on you? Uh, son of a bitch! <laughs> All right, gang. Um, Take it away. This week, water under the fridge. I believe this was a suggestion from work brother Rob. Yeah, he also made a suggestion for Papa Shango down the line, but we we don't have time for that tonight. We don't have time for it, and I don't have time to Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> So, we're going to talk about disturbing Undertaker moments. I started this at a very high level, and I had uh, about 12 of them written down, um, and I decided to narrow my focus to uh, 
approximately 1998 to 2003. Um, so our first moment is going to be the, the most recent one. The Undertaker once shoved Jim Ross's face directly into Vince McMahon's ass. This segment started out with Vince trying to force Steve Austin to join the Kiss My Ass Club. When Austin ended up beating the piss out of McMahon, JR on commentary could not get enough. You'd have thunk the Sooners just won the granddaddy of them all. He had such a boner for what was going on. <laughs> Later in the show, Taker got word to McMahon about this malfeasance. <laughs> Good word. And the American badass turned himself heel, turned into Dead Man Inc., shoved JR's face into McMahon's ass, and the club had a new member. Oh. We this do, all happened in JR's hometown. We should do a segment on the Kiss My Ass Club one of these days. Yeah, a lot of fucking segments, man. <laughs> There's never enough. All right. Now we're going to cover a little something called the Ministry of Darkness. The Undertaker, with his ministry, were feuding with essentially everyone in the company. <laughs> After setting an Undertaker logo on fire on the McMahon family lawn... Vince would make a match for WrestleMania 15, where The Undertaker would somehow end up in a semi-main event facing someone named the Big Boss Man in Hell in a Cell. A rather uneventful match, gaining only 1.25 stars from Meltzer, Taker would gain the victory and summon the Brute to help him future endeavor Mr. Trailer into the next life. As the Brute descended from the roof of the stadium... They landed on top of the cell and passed the noose into the ring. They hanged the big <laughs> boss man from the lid of the cell, and the boss man swung visibly in pain for approximately 20 seconds before Kevin Dunn's dumbass cut to a promo video. The viewing audience, many of whom were children, were essentially led to believe that The Undertaker... Gangrel, Gangrel, Christian and Edge murdered the big boss man in front of 20,000 people. This was the last time The Undertaker would appear as a heel at WrestleMania. Later, what? There's more. Later on this spring, Stephanie McMahon was found by corporation stable member Ken Shamrock in a basement with the Undertaker's logo tattooed into her forehead. To get his vengeance on Shamrock, Taker would order that Ken's sister Ryan be taken hostage, and he wanted to sacrifice her on one of his Undertaker <laughs> logos. This was Taker, not subtly whatsoever, hinting to the McMahon family that this would eventually happen to Steph. It was determined by The Undertaker that Shamrock weaseled Stephanie's location out of Christian. This entire thing has become a mess. The WWE.com article that I'm plagiarizing from is not doing a good job of explaining this clearly. <laughs> Edge and Gangrel would leave the ministry. Taker would go over Shamrock with Bradshaw interference at Backlash, and he kidnapped Stephanie post-match. This led to a very famous GIF and very famous Undertaker line, Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Didn't uh, he also, like, kidnap Teddy Long at one point, I feel? Uh, cannot confirm. Was not mentioned in the article I was reading. <laughs> Stats, please. Stats, please. The next night on Raw, The Undertaker held a black wedding where he would marry Stephanie McMahon and assume some level of control of WWF. 
How marrying the daughter of the owner of a firm gets you control, I do not know. <coughs> Triple H. <coughs> but I do not work in corporate nor state law. <laughs> this wedding was interrupted by first the big show, then Ken Shamrock, until finally Steve Austin got inside the ring and chased off the entire ministry. In the storyline, Taker would team up with now Shane McMahon-controlled corporation to form the corporate ministry, ultimately leading to a higher power angle, revealing Vince McMahon is behind the whole thing all along. In retrospect, imagining young 16-year-old Fridge watching this week to week, uh, this must have been so compelling and fantastic. Episodically, this is what made wrestling in the 90s great. I'm sure there may have been a decent wrestling match or two along the way, but this ridiculous storyline infested WWE for over six months. <clears throat> there were too many swerves to count, unnecessary unnecessary violence for a TV program that, let's be honest, is marketed to a young audience, and countless segments really only seem to be there to degrade women. Shockingly, Vincent Russo was in charge of creative for WWE during this era. Next week on Water Under the Fridge, we plan to recap the Kennel from Hell match. For those of you that don't know, this was when the big boss man wrestled Al Snow inside of Hell in a Cell, inside of the classic blue cage over the ring, with a ring surrounded by kayfabed rabid dogs. And a lot of dog shit as well. A lot of poop. Yes. Well done. That was excellent. I I think I just lost it during the whole uh, hanging big boss man part. Well, you know, I think they almost actually killed the guy. His head was starting to turn purple. Wouldn't be the first person they would have killed in the industry. You think Vince, like, goes to sleep thinking about Kurt Hennig? Do you think he, he must have, like, dreams sometimes where the ghosts just haunt him? Just, like... Mike Awesome and get some random guy that went through a table. When a, are both Axel Ryan and uh, what the hell's the other guy's name? The Charles Mahoney the freaks. Also, are they both dead? Yes, that's correct. Oh, sad. Don't don't hit your friends with chairs to the head, folks. You can hit them. You can hit them on the back, just not in the head or in the gut. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, well, uh, we're at 73 minutes, so let's uh, let's close this out with This Week in Rotunda. All right, we're going to keep it short this week. Um, I was thinking about all the wrestling shows I've ever been to, and his website, cagematch.net, is, is really great. They have house show results for like everything that's ever happened. They've got you know more detailed write-ups on TV and stuff, but I was, tr- I was remembering that during the like, mid to early 90s, um, my brother Matt and I grew up – we grew up in Nashua, New Hampshire, which is uh, one town over from Massachusetts. Um, I think the population's you know, 75,000 people. It's not a big city by any means, but we had a, um, a, uh, a junior high school gym called Chestnut Street, Chestnut Street Gym. And if I had to guess, I would say that for a full, full gym, you could probably squeeze 2,500 people in there. Um, and I remembered Matt and I went to a wrestling event there. So I was playing around online, not doing work, not studying for some sort of test or making myself better in any sort of way. I was just looking at this website trying to figure out old house shows I'd been to. Um, so I found a, a, a house show 
at my junior high school gym from October 16th, 1994. And I remember this, whether Matt remembers it or not. I think I was, so I would have been 11. Matt would have been like eight or nine. Um, but I thought it would be cool to go through the card, and this ties into our water under the fridge segment. So, singles match. Adam Baum defeats Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> singles match. The British Bulldog defeats Owen Hart. Sounds like a good one. Could have been. Singles match. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz defeats someone named PJ Walker. Isn't that, uh, what's his name? Just incredible. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Singles match. King Kong Bundy defeats Doink. Ooh. Dude, like, this is not terrible. It's a, it's a pretty good card. Uh, tag team match. The Smoking Guns. Bart and Billy defeat the heavenly bodies of Jimmy Del Rey and Dr. Tom Pritchard. Which I can only assume means that Jim Cornette was there, too. Oh, with his racket. Because he was the manager of the Heavenly Bodies. Uh, Intercontinental title match. Razor Ramon defeats Bob Backlund by countout. And last, but certainly not least, in a singles match, Erwin R. Scheister defeats Mabel. Do you think there's video of this, this event anywhere in the world? Somebody no. must have videotaped it with one of those old... Video recorders. Oldie to oldie fashion. No, they wouldn't they have chased you out of the arena? I don't know. It's like a house show in, at a junior high. Dude, if I remember right, and Matt can back me up on this, the thing was banged out. I don't know. I've never been to, to Elm Street Junior High School. Well, I mean, I'm just talking about security procedures in general. Oh, uh, okay. And like those, you know, the, it says on your ticket, no flash photography, no video cameras. It does usually say that. But uh, it was an enjoyable show, from what you recall? Absolutely. And then, like, I think I had, like, you know, junior high basketball tryouts in the same gym probably, like, two and a half years later, and I didn't even make the team. So you could have been in the same spot that Mabel was getting in a write-off finisher done to him by uh, Erwin R. Scheister. That's right. I'm sorry to make the maybe team. That's, maybe that's – I probably didn't make the team because the basketball court was dented from Mabel's fat ass hitting it. That's got, that's got to be the only reason. Yeah, or my lack of coordination and zero athletic skill. Uh, don't sell yourself two. short. You don't sell yourself short, Judge. You're a tremendous slouch. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so I think, oh, my God. Peter, we forgot the goddamn NXT <laughs> rankings again. Oh, fuck. You think we should do it? We're only at about 80 minutes now. Fuck off. <laughs> We'll do it next week. All right. Well, um, anything else before we uh, close this one out? Nothing. So next week we've got Water Under the Fridge. Uh, what was it called there? Kennel from Hell match. Yes. We've got uh, NXT TakeOver and Backlash preview. Is it Backlash or Payback? I presume it's Backlash. Oh, should we do another poll this week? Yeah, we could do it. Oh, you want to watch a retro match from an old Backlash? Yes. Uh, should I do the All four right. that I showed you when I incorrectly thought the last pay-per-view was Backlash? Uh, yeah, those work. All right, I'll put those up. tonight. I'll, I'll have it done by, like, Sunday so we have plenty of time to watch it. All right, cool. So we've got water under the fridge. We've got NXT. We've got Backlash previews. I think we should, you know, get some more questions coming in from the listening audience. We, oh. I think we had a good time with those last week. Yeah. And perhaps we'll allow Al Cut on again to correct me for all my my 
complete ramblings and lack of knowledge on anything. All right. Sounds great. So thanks for joining, and uh, we'll be back here again next week. And stay tuned for an update on Pete's softball team. <laughs> Indeed. So the Sample Bears had another rough week. Two great games, though, if you're uh, looking for those close-scoring games. The Sample Bears got you covered. So doubleheader Monday night while Rob was going on. The Sample Bears jump out to an early 6-4 lead after three. Unfortunately, not able to do too much after that. Uh, tagged in the sixth inning to drop down to a 7-6 to deficit. And then the other team puts up two more runs in the top of the seventh to uh, put us down. So we lose by a score of 9-6 there. Um, really great. I do give, want to give a shout out to good brother Bub for pitching a hell of a game. Uh, it was his first start for the Sample Bears. I think only maybe one walk. Really good pitching. Uh, the defense was not the best in game one. Uh, we had a really good third inning. We, we put up six runs. Uh, brother Bob continuing to rack up the RBIs. He had a couple in this one. Uh, just a lot of good hits in that third inning. But unfortunately, the Sample Bears fall short again. Game two, jump out to a 4 nothing lead in the first inning. Uh, we have kind of, we almost go through the whole order in the first inning. Uh, more RBIs from good brother Bob. Uh, good brothers Aaron and Paul. Aaron Paul, get it? Uh, some good games at the plate, getting on base a lot. Uh, Paul and I went to the batting cages during lunch, did wonders for him. Uh, I believe I'm batting 0 for 7 on the year with a walk. So I got on base for the first time this year, so that was pleasant. So carried a 4 nothing lead into the fourth inning. Uh, pop up to second. I make a good running play on it. Hits, hits my glove and falls out, so that was fun. They score three runs that inning. Our lead is cut to 4-3. to three. A couple runs back and forth. We go into the seventh and final inning. Up by one run, one out, and then just the wheels come off. Just shot after shot deep into the outfield. Up to this point, the visiting team really hadn't been doing too much on offense. Most of their runs were off some defensive uh, lapses on our end. But all of a sudden, when we're about to finally get a freaking win, they just start pummeling the ball. Uh, they put up five runs in the top of the seventh. Two outs from victory for the Sample Bears, and we fall by a score of 9-5. to five. So, a rough go. So that's three games in a row now where the Sample Bears have had a lead in the sixth or seventh inning, and we have lost all three of those games. Uh, that last game especially heartbreaking, as we led pretty much from the bottom of the first until the top of the seventh. Uh, and lost that one. But I do want to say a lot of good things going on with the team. I think we just need to string together a little more offense consistently. Uh, I think the the win will come. So I think the positive is here that we've been competitive in our last three games, whereas last season we were not competitive uh, nearly as much. So good to see that. Hopefully we'll have some better news for you guys. The Sample Bears next game is next Wednesday, so it will be before the next podcast drops. Hope to come back with a W. Uh, Current records 0-4 for the Sample Bears, but thank you to all our fans who come out and support us. I appreciate you all coming out. I know the team enjoys it, and win or lose, there's always some beers after the game. All right, well, other than that, we're going to wrap this one up. Thanks to Nigel uh, Fridge and our guest stat guy, Al Cuddy Wolf, for providing the stats and talking Guardians with us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Laters.